Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Wasn't that good? Hey, we got some announcements for you all. First of all, um, we don't really know what taking the offering looks like, but we just want to remind you that you can give. So, uh, amazingly enough, you can actually text to give. 84321. 84321, text the dollar amount you want to give. It'll shoot you a text back and uh, let you know what you need to do to set up. Once you got it set up, it's good to go for the future. You can also do the Church Center app that we've talked about quite a bit. So pop open your Church Center app. You can give on there. And also you can just go to our website, libertystl.com. Look in the upper right-hand corner for the word give. Click on that, and it'll walk you through some different options there. Also... Uh, what do we got going on this week? Actually, we do have some things going on, believe it or not. Tuesday and Thursday um, at 7 o'clock, we're going to have some exhortations slash devotionals from some different uh, men in the church. They'll be sharing on some different verses and some different questions that I've kind of thrown at them to, to talk about and share what God's doing in their life. So look for those Tuesdays and Thursdays at 7 o'clock. Didn't Justice do a great job this uh, this past week? Uh, with his exhortation. I was encouraged by it. Um, Thank you, Justice. And we had some live worship from Laura on Friday night. Um, Shout out to Laura. Good job. That was awesome as well. Um, Chris and Laura will be kind of tag teaming and taking some more opportunities in the future to have some more worship like that. So again, we'll be using our uh, Remind app system to kind of throw that out there when it's happening and give you heads up on what's going on. That's Tuesday and Thursday. This Wednesday, believe it or not, we're going to have IGY. Virtually, but we're going to have IGY. We're going to use a, a system called Zoom. So uh, all, the, all the youth out there in IGY need to download that app, and then Justice will make sure they get the information that they need with uh, the right website link to click on as well as uh, – um, the info to get into that meeting. So they'll be doing a Bible study. There'll be a, a little bit of a hangout time before just to give people an opportunity to kind of see each other. Um, Zoom is an awesome app for kind of visual interaction from a distance. So that's this Wednesday. And we're also going to do life groups with uh, a similar setup using Zoom. So life groups are actually going to start back up this coming Friday. So whatever your life group is, um, They'll be getting you some info out on it. I'll be getting you some info out on it. So look for that uh, in the next few days as well. Um, I heard that um, uh, David Snyder did uh, his Sunday morning group today, uh, and it, it it went well from what I've heard. So if you're interested in that too, if you want to jump on with David's group before it uh, before service starts at 10:30, um, talk to him or talk to me or Justice. We can get you connected with that as well. With that, we're going to uh, we're going to turn to the Word in First Thessalonians chapter one. Why don't you turn there? I'd like everyone if you got a Bible, you can use your phone, your Bible app. That that works. But I do like us all looking at the passages together because I just think it's good for us to be looking at the Word. So go ahead and turn there. I'm going to pray for the Word this morning, Father. We do ask for the preaching of your word this morning, uh, not just here, uh, but across this nation, across this world, as people are, are hearing the word, that it would do its good and perfect work. And Lord, we acknowledge that we need your spirit 
to go along with your word to work in people's lives. So we ask that you would do that, Father. Minister to people today. And God, I pray that we would be uh, willing to receive your word today and let it be implanted in our hearts, God, that it would bear much fruit, that we would be transformed to the image of your Son, that you would be glorified in our lives. Amen. Well, when Martin Luther was in the midst of the Reformation, uh, the plague hit his country. And he wrote a small pamphlet addressing some of the issues that the pastors and the leaders of the day were dealing with. One of the things he was addressing was uh, how do you deal with a a situation like this where uh, there's panic, there's uncertainty, there's anxiety. He wrote this pamphlet, and what he was responding to in part was uh, Luther's prince, Elector John, had ordered Luther uh, to flee from the city, to get out of harm's way. Luther chose to stay and minister to those that were sick. He felt that as a pastor and a leader, he was supposed to stay, that he wasn't supposed to leave. So he's surrounded by the disease and by the suffering victims. In fact, the mayor of the city, the mayor's wife, virtually died in Luther's arms. So the cloud of witnesses that have gone before us are not unfamiliar with viral outbreaks. They're not unfamiliar with pandemics. So we're, we're in good company with them, and, and, and they've, they've weathered those storms, and God has brought them through it. I want to encourage us. God's going to bring us through it. What does that look like? Well, here's the thing. I want to make uh, a couple notes regarding this. Friends, we live in a fallen world. All right? All you have to do is, is look, look around, and, and we, we can see that we live in a fallen world. It's fallen because of sin. God's original world was perfect. And what we have today is not the way it's supposed to be. It's not the way it was intended Sin came in, and it's been a mess ever since. So part of what we're experiencing here is what Genesis talks about in chapter 3 of the ground being cursed. Look at Genesis chapter 3. He first, in verse 17, talks to Adam right here, and he says, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat. He says, Cursed is the ground because of you. So that's part of the fallen world, is this curse because of the sin of our first parents. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. And then notice what it says in verse 18. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So that thorns and thistles, I mean, he's not just talking about just thorns and thistles. It's not like he, you know, dandelions were, were not included there. Like, he's talking about how this world was affected. He uses that imagery of the thorns and thistles. That's not a good imagery, right? Thorns and thistles, that's, they're kind of a pain. You ever tried to dig them out of the some section? I mean, they hurt. They hurt. So we have this curse on the land. So part of what we're dealing with, with this virus, 
is we're part of a fallen world. Fallen worlds have fallen things. And Romans, turn to Romans 8 because I want you to see this. And what we find out is that creation itself is in bondage. Romans 8. It says this in verse 20 of Romans 8. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Notice that last part. It's in bondage to corruption. Bondage to corruption. It's, it's, it's falling apart. It's like one of those laws of thermodynamics, right? Everything breaks down. That, that's part of it. Part of it is there's going to be sin. Part of it is there's going to be evil. Part of it is there's going to be wickedness. And part of it is there's going to be things like nasty bacteria and awful viruses. Was that part of God's original creation? No. Not at all. But in a fallen world, fallen things occur and fallen things happen. Here's the thing, brothers and sisters. We have a hope of greater things that the Lord has for us. Friends, if, if, if this is all we got, yeah, we need to be panicking. We need to be freaking out. We need to have anxiety. If this, this world is all we got, yeah, I, I'd be freaking out. But this isn't all that we got. God has promised us. What he's given us here is like, um, well, it, it's many things, okay? But what he has here and what he has in store for us, light years apart. Light years apart. So we have a hope of greater things that the Lord has for us. And I want you to see something today that gives us great hope. Now, as this first chapter wraps up in 1 Thessalonians, I want you to notice a few things that Paul emphasizes. So look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to look at the last two verses today in 1 Thessalonians. He says in verse 9, For they themselves report concerning us, the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Now, these last two verses are a snapshot of the gospel. Now, Paul previously mentioned the gospel in verse five. Look at what he says there. In verse 5, he says, Because our gospel came to you not only in word, okay, so you got word, but also in power, so there's power, and in the Holy Spirit, so you got the Holy Spirit, and then what? With full conviction. So those four things, right? Kind of all, all linked together, all sandwiched together. That's what he's saying. And then he wants us to observe something here. As he's wrapping this up, he gives us the gospel again in a tiny little nutshell. First, I want you to observe this. You got to turn to God from idols. That's what he says. How you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now, when we talk about getting saved, really the proper term is conversion. Now, if you remember this in our life groups, that's actually the title of one of the books that we went through. It was just conversion. And conversion is always a turning to and a turning away from, okay? A turning to and a turning away from. Turning to is what we would call faith, 
We're turning to the Lord. We're trusting in him. Turning away from is what we would call repentance. So you get faith and repentance come together. You have conversion. We just call it getting saved, right? So it's a turning away from idols, from sin, from wickedness, from evil, and a turning to the Lord. Now look at this here. When you turn to the Lord, I want you to pay attention to me. When you turn to the Lord, it's not just, oh, oh, you know, you turn, oh, there you are, Lord. No, notice what Paul says. It it says, turn to serve the living and true God. So when you turn to the Lord, it's not just like, oh, it's, oh, oh, there you are. It's not, it's not just a recognition, but there's action to it, which makes sense when you think about repentance because you're going from something to something. Okay. So you're, you're putting stuff off, but you're also putting stuff on like, oh, I'm not only recognizing that that's the Lord, like I'm, I'm serving him. Why am I serving him? He's the living and true God, the only God, the only one that there is. So we turn to God from idols, but then notice what he says also in verse 10, and to wait for his son from heaven. Wait for Jesus. Now, Paul mentions this for the first time in the letter, that Jesus is coming back, right? We're waiting. It's not going to be the last time he mentions it. We'll get into it much more uh, in chapter 4, where when Paul kind of expounds on this concept of the parousia, the coming of Jesus. The gospel message, friends, check this out, is eschatological in nature. Okay, what does that mean? It means it it focuses on the future. It focuses on the future. It just doesn't focus on the here and now. It looks to the future and what is to come. Is the gospel for me right now? Yes, absolutely. Amen, hallelujah. Hallelujah. But is the gospel for me in the future? Yes. Okay? It has practical applications now and practical implications for the future. Okay? So the view of the gospel is always, is always, is always future-oriented. Think about that. See, some religions, if you think about it, they're focused on the here and now. Like, what can you do for me today? What can you do for me right now? And it's all about surviving in this world. I mean, Christianity is about the next world, right? Now, it gives us some instruction. We get rules. What does the Lord want us to do here? But that's not the primary focus. It's a preparation for the world to come. So those other religions, there's not always as much thought to the future. The gospel has a future-looking view. So I want to make a note, though. When it says wait for Jesus, this waiting is not passive. Okay. Now, um, I I had to go to the DMV last month. Okay. Uh, It's almost as bad as going to the dentist to get a tooth pulled sometimes. I get in there and it's like 35 people in front of me. I'm not kidding. I counted. Okay. And about 10 minutes pass and I moved like this much in line. Another 10 minutes, you know, I'm just moving along. I'm, I'm hardly getting close, right? <clears throat> um, that was some passive waiting there. I was just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, flipping through my phone, like, what's going on? That's passive waiting. That's not what Paul has in mind here when he talks about waiting for Jesus. Like, oh, well, I wonder when he's coming, you know? I wonder when, when it's going to happen. 
Um, no, it, it's like this. My son Ethan, um, he bought a Star Wars lightsaber from an online store. Um, it's pretty realistic, actually. It's not some plastic, you know, cheap imitation thing. It's like made out of metal, lights up, makes sound as you move it around. That's like the whole nine yards. And they said it'd take three to four weeks to arrive. So what started happening around week two with Ethan? He'd be like, is it here yet? Is it here? There's this, you know, expectation of hope. Week three, right? Is it here? Is it here? Um, that went on uh, for many weeks because it actually didn't arrive until uh, week eight. Okay, every almost every day. Hey, did, did you get the email? Did they ship it yet? Right. So there's this uh, expectantly waiting. That's the idea for us with Jesus. We're we're expectantly waiting for Jesus. This word translated here. Actually, it's the only time it appears in the entire New Testament. It actually appears a whole lot in the Old Testament and what's called the Septuagint. That's the, the Greek Old Testament. Um, it always refers to the hope the people of God have for him coming to save and rescue them. Isn't that good? It refers to the hope the people of God have for him coming to save and rescue them. So when it says waiting for Jesus, that's the idea, waiting for Jesus. Hope, the hope we have for God coming to rescue and save us. Amen. Moving on. So we turn to God from idols. We're waiting for Jesus. Notice what it says. Whom he raised, verse 10, from the dead. Friends, this is a physical death. Not a spiritual death. This is a physical death. I mean, is Jesus dead or alive? At one point, he was dead. Three days, right? But he's alive today. Not just in some spiritual sense, but he is physically alive. Um, if, If Jesus is dead... If he's still in the grave, like how can he do anything? It says Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. I mean, if Jesus never rose from the dead, how can he, how can he do anything, let alone deliver us from the wrath to come? No, no, he's alive, friends. He is alive. Praise the Lord, amen. So Jesus has been raised from the dead physically, And notice what it says. I like this little part. We can miss it sometimes when we're reading our Bibles if we're not paying attention. It says to wait for his son from heaven. From heaven. He's coming from heaven. Why? Because that's where he's at. Well, why is he there? Because he was raised from the dead. He's not coming up out of the ground. He's coming from heaven. God raised him. He literally raised his son from the dead. Hallelujah. So, He raised him from the dead, and then look what Jesus does for us. He's coming back. He delivers us from the wrath to come. He delivers us from the wrath to come. Let me ask you a question. Is wrath for believers or unbelievers? Because a lot of times, let's just be honest, like a lot of times people are like, oh, you know, God is so loving and kind, and how could he ever send anyone to hell, and how could I ever punish anyone? Well, I mean, Jesus is coming back here to, to save us from the wrath to come. Like, if there's no wrath, then, I mean, this verse don't even make sense. He's coming back to save us from the wrath to come. Well, it's coming for someone. So is, is wrath for believers or unbelievers? It's, it's for unbelievers. Uh, that should, should make us pause a little bit. That, honestly, should break our hearts a little bit. 
because none of us should want someone to get their comeuppance. None of us should want, you know, oh, they, they deserve what they got coming to them. Friend, friends, we, we all deserve God's wrath apart from the blood of Jesus. We deserve it. In fact, look at what Ephesians chapter 2 says. Verse 1 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature, what were we by nature? Children of wrath. Children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, all of mankind, children of wrath. God redeems someone, no longer a child of wrath. What are they? They are a child of God. So when we talk about uh, this wrath, it's going to be poured out on people. And, and, and that should, honestly, that should break our hearts to think of that happening. And we should want that. It, friends, if, if that doesn't motivate us, if that doesn't encourage us to be witnesses, like, literally, God's wrath will be poured out. Fairly and justly and righteously. But it's going to be horrible. And God's been gracious enough to save you. Let's, let's be used by God for him to save other people from this same wrath. Let's look at Romans 5 for a minute. It says something similar to what Ephesians says. Since therefore, verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. There's that word wrath again. It's like a dirty word, even in Christian circles, sadly. But if the word talks about it, if we want to be faithful, we got to talk about it. And whenever you talk about salvation, it really doesn't make much sense. What are you saved from? Your friend, you got to be saved. You got to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from what? From the wrath of God. Yes, you got to be saved from your sins, but uh, really, it's the wrath of God that you need to be saved from. The wrath of God. So he says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if, while we were enemies, that's what we were. Every believer was an enemy. Of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. We were enemies, but God still has enemies. He still has them. They're enemies by their own choice, but God has enemies, and his wrath will be poured out on them. This word here of deliver, because that's what God is going to do. Anyone who comes to him in repentance and faith, it says he delivers them from his own wrath. So, so people are warned about God's wrath, and then he offers them a way of escape. That, that's what's gracious, that's what's kind, that's what's loving about it. This word here, deliver, ruamai, it's actually the same word that Jesus uses in the Lord's Prayer when he says, 
and he's teaching his disciples to pray, he says, deliver us from evil. It's the same word. Listen, whenever calamity falls, the greatest danger, the greatest danger is to think it's designed for someone else. Is to think it's for, for those people over there. That is exactly what the Pharisees did. You want to be like a Pharisee? And this virus going on, oh, it's for those people, oh, it's for those people, oh, it's for those people. That's what the Pharisees did. Right? Think of that Pharisee, you know, he's beating his chest. Oh, Lord, thank, thank you that I'm not like that guy over there, that sinner. Look, anytime calamity strikes, anytime disaster occurs, it's, it's a time for us to do a few things, okay? One, and most importantly, look upward. If, if Jesus says he delivers us from the wrath, uh, he's our deliverer. He is our deliverer. So we, we look upward. Whatever may come your way, he will deliver you. That's a promise. Whatever may come your way. Deliver you from what? The virus? No, not necessarily. Deliver you from the wrath to come? Absolutely. If you got to choose... Uh, you want to choose being delivered from the wrath, okay? He will deliver you perfectly to his side. If you are one of his, nothing, no person, no thing, can separate you from God. Whatever may befall you, nothing can separate you, okay? He, he, if you're a believer, he's already delivered you. He has delivered you, friends. He's delivered you. So, look Upward to the deliverer for trust. Lord, increase my faith. That's what some of you need to be praying. Increase my faith. Help me to trust you more. Wipe away the anxiety. Second, look inward. I actually think it's good to do this at times, not in a selfish way, but it's good as a time of what I like to call introspection. Look in, inward. Take a little spiritual inventory of you and your family. Where am I at with the Lord? Am I saved? Am I one of His? Then I also think as you're looking inward, if you're married, you need to be asking, how's my spouse doing? How can I help him or her? Where are my children at spiritually? How can I move them closer to Jesus during this time? What questions might they have going through their minds that I can help address? Okay, if, if you might be feeling some uncertainty, um, then there's probably no doubt that they are. Um, but also, if you're not feeling uncertainty, that doesn't mean that they're not feeling uncertainty. So do a little check-in with them as well. Uh, we had a question come in. Um, what, what's the question, Brittany? Okay, so um, what's the same word, question mark, wrath equals evil? I'm trying to understand that, um, so I'm, I'm going to interpret it the best way. Um, God delivers us from wrath, so he doesn't necessarily deliver us from evil. Um, we pray for him to do that. Sometimes that evil, to be honest, is of our own doing, but I think what's in mind here is evil that maybe is uh, perpetrated upon us, right? And we, we pray and ask God to deliver us 
from evil things, maybe that we might be tempted by, um, from maybe evil people that might come into our life that might cause us harm. When, when God says he delivers us from wrath, now wrath does not equal evil. Um, because wrath is something, and this is very important, wrath is something that only God, in the truest sense, does. Now we can experience, you know, oh, I experienced his wrath or something like that. But um, wrath, uh, if you talk about it, is really God's righteous, intense hatred of sin. So when we sometimes when we think we got wrath, um, we might think of uh, maybe our dad sometimes losing his cool and, and blowing up at us and, and, and getting mad. I got to admit, I've done that sadly. Um, to each of my kids, and I've had to go back and apologize, but that, that'd be a wrong interpretation of, of wrath because wrath, it's not like God's up there, oh, I'm, I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. And, and he's not um, angry in the sense that we think. God has an intense hatred of sin. Now, think about that for a second. I want him to have an intense love for me, and he does. And he says that... <clears throat> You know, for God to love the world, right? As intense as his love is, as intense as his anger is. Okay, so when God has love, I mean, it is intense. It's, it's an infinite supply, right? God, when we talk about his wrath, um, truly only God can have a biblical wrath. It's an intense hatred for sin. Okay, there's not this like emotional, he's blowing up and just, you know, blasting people left and right. He hates anything that is not holy or righteous or good. That's why we were, 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 were enemies. We were enemies. Why? Because of, of what we were doing, of who we are, of how we rebelled against him. You're like, how did I rebel? How, how did I rebel against God? Well, I mean, Jesus tells us pretty plainly, first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. So any unbeliever, like, literally can't obey that command. They, they don't have that relationship with the Lord. They haven't trusted in Him. They don't have that faith. How can you love God if you're not at a place of a relationship and trust? So, <clears throat> yeah, wrath doesn't equal evil. Wrath is something from, from God and God alone that He displays... And we'll display clearly and finally on that last day of judgment when every wrong is accounted for. Now, I don't know about you, but each one of us, First Peter talks about it, each one of us is going to have uh, to stand before the Lord someday and account for what we've done. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be pleading the blood of Jesus that whole time. I'll still have to make my accounting, but if you have the blood of Jesus covering your sins, if you truly have it, you're not just walking around, oh man, yeah, someday I do all these awful things now and the, the Lord will take care of me. And I mean, that, that's an abuse of grace and you probably really need to question where your heart's at, honestly. It's definitely not at a good place. And, and you need to question where you're at with the Lord um, because you might not be one of his, honestly. But <clears throat> um, you're walking along like God wants for his children to flourish. He wants for them to flourish. And each one of us, each one of us has a story. And I think sometimes we can do one of two things. Um, we can think, and we hear other people's story, we're like, oh, their, their story's not as bad as mine. 
and that might be true. And sometimes we hear some really awful stories, and we're like, wow, that, that, that story is nowhere close. I mean, mine's pretty good, right? Um, God puts us into different situations, and some of those things, you know, when he's doing something, he's doing 10,000 things behind the scene that we might not ever know. Might not ever know this side of heaven. We might know a couple of those things, but, I mean, God's orchestrating the affairs of the world exactly as he sees fit. He's working his perfect purpose. And friends, sometimes it comes to a place where we have to trust. We have to trust financially. We have to trust. With our marriage, we have to trust. With our children, we have to trust. That doesn't mean we just, again, it's not passive. You read the New Testament, there's not much passive stuff. You read the Old Testament, there's not much passive. God wants his children active, active in relationship with him and active in relationship with others. So we look upward, we look inward, and then we look outward. I don't want you to forget this one. I want us to look and make sure we're looking outward. Where does the Lord want to use me right now in other people's lives? Okay? I mean, most people I've talked to spent more time on social media the last week than maybe they have the last couple months. If you're going to do that and you're going to be on there, be a blessing to people, especially during this time. Be a blessing. Encourage. So where does the Lord want me to use me right now in other people's lives? Listen, let's not get so hunkered down you can't even see the light coming in through the windows. That would be a mistake. And let's not get so hunkered down you can't hear the cries for help. So I'm not saying don't be wise. Don't don't practice the safe social distancing. Yes, do those things. Be wise. Um, do those things that are being asked of us, <clears throat> that doesn't mean our ministry stops. Look, if I can meet with someone who's laying in a bed in a nursing home and encourage them and still tell them they have ministry that the Lord wants them to do, then we have ministry that the Lord wants us to do. You know, when, when <clears throat> my dad, who, who passed away a little over six years ago, there wasn't a lot of things he could do. I mean, he was pretty limited. But there was something he could do. Okay? Even, even <clears throat> with all his physical limitations, there was something that he was able to do. Friends, regardless of our circumstances, there is always some ministry that we can do for the kingdom. Always ministry we can do. If you are breathing... God wants you ministering. Okay? If you're breathing, God wants you ministering. So the question is not, do I minister? The question is, where do I minister? Whom do I minister to? So let's look upward, first and foremost. Let's look inward, and let's look outward. Guys, hear me now. God's been very gracious to us. He's been very gracious. Even now, you know, I saw this meme the other day. I've seen a lot of memes, probably more memes than I've ever seen before. Uh, and it was this, this guy, uh, you know, he had like a warrior's clothing on with a sword, you know, like a Braveheart thing. And, it, and, and, and below it, it said, uh, what I pictured my end time outfit to be. Okay. And then it had a picture of a guy in, in, in pajamas lounging on the on the couch and he's like what my end time outfit is 
all right? <clears throat> God's been gracious to us even in the midst of this pandemic. That I mean, most of you are sitting at home, chilling out, uh, probably eating something, sipping on something. God's been gracious to us, friends. And, and not just right now. I mean, I hope each one of you can look at the history of your life and see times where you know, without a doubt, God interceded. I mean, I look, even before I got saved, I, I can look back at times where God interceded. I was telling my, my kids, uh, a couple of my kids last night about me uh, trying out for the soccer team. Don't tell anybody, but I got cut uh, from the team my, my senior year. But I was telling them it was honestly and truly. It wasn't, didn't feel like it at the time, but it was a gift from the Lord. I went back to running cross country and ended up being on the state championship team. Uh, and, and so I feel like God, even with that, what felt horrible at the time, God blessed me. He was gracious to me, even in something that uh, might seem small to some people, but to me, that's, that was a pretty big thing. So I hope when you look at the history of your life, you can see times specifically where God has been gracious to you. That, that should well up inside you like a heart of thanks, right? Thanksgiving. So even when the rough times come, the affliction comes, the bad times come, like you know that the Lord is still the sustainer. The Lord is still the deliverer. And whatever may come, He will deliver you to the end. He will take you to His side. Friend, that's the place that we want to be. This life, James, what does James say? It's, it's a mist. It's a mist. Yeah, you know, you know those people that lived in the 1700s? Well, they're gone. Those people that lived in the 1800s, they're gone. We know a handful of their names, okay? Those people in the 1900s, some of them are gone. We, we, we are here, but for a moment. And we are here to serve the living and true God however he wants, however he sees fit. For some of us, that might be 20 years, for some 30, for some 50, for some 80. However long, we want to use that for the Lord. We want to use it for his glory. But, But we're not here just to live in the here and now. That's what the word is impressing upon us. It's for the future life to come. You know, we're wanting to be transformed and conform to the image of his son. That's why Jesus is doing this. If this was all uh, <clears throat> pie in the sky stuff, if we were all filthy rich, if, if we never had any afflictions, if we never had any suffering, if we never had any problems, we'd actually be the worst for it, spiritually. We'd be the worst for it. It, it is an act of kindness at times for the Lord when he takes things away from us. It's, a, it's an act of kindness. It's an act of love. He, he cares enough about us. I mean, think about that. Think, I mean, think, you know, is it an act of kindness for the surgeon to cut you open? I, it really is. I, is it painful? Like, yeah. Does it hurt? Yeah. Does it take you a long time to recover? Absolutely. But he's doing that as an act of kindness to help you. It's the same with the Lord. Sometimes we don't understand. Okay? We get, we get spiritually cut 
It's an act of kindness. The loving father knows best what's best for his children. And that's where trust comes in. And I just want to encourage you, maybe we got some guests watching today. Friends, we've been talking about Jesus. We've been talking about him rising from the dead. We've been talking a lot about faith and trust. Listen, I don't know where you're at, every person, spiritually, but but if you haven't put your faith and trust in the Lord, like, the, I don't want you to be an enemy of God. And, and, and believe it or not, God doesn't want you to be an enemy of His either. So He says real clearly, if you will trust in what His Son did on the cross, that it was for you, not just some historical fact, but it was for you, that if you trust... And what Jesus did, that it was for you that, that your sins were placed upon Jesus, that he paid the price, that he conquered death. And you realize, look, Lord, I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. Like, I need you. I need your forgiveness. I need your strength. I need your mercy. I need your help. Like, he wants you humble before him. He wants you to walk in humility. He says he opposes the proud. Don't be proud. Be humble before the Lord. He gives grace, it says, to the humble. Grace. God's unmerited favor. So that offer is available to each person to trust in the finished work of his son. Turn away from the idols, whatever those might look like. Turn away from the idols and turn to the one true living God. Do it just like the Thessalonians did. Paul lays it out real clearly, that first chapter. If you've never read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, just read it. He lays it out. The gospel is for each person. It's the good news of Jesus Christ that he came to deliver you from the wrath to come. You can be delivered. You can have the grace of God poured out on you. You can have a faith given to you from the Lord himself that saves you that gives you it says in John 1 the right to be a child of God a right to be a child of God available to each person I invite you now if you're if you're watching put your trust in Christ look to him for your salvation he truly is the one that can save he truly is the one that is here to redeem you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, God, that your word is true. I pray for every member of Liberty. I pray for every person watching this, whether it's live or they're watching it later. Lord, you would take the truth from the words spoken today and do your work. I pray, God, that you would regenerate people. You would save people today, Lord, from the different messages going across, even throughout our land. Lord, I pray we would look upward. We need you. We need you, Lord. We need you. I pray you be gracious 
to our family, to our church. I pray you'd strengthen us for whatever lies in the future, short term and long term. Help us to walk by faith, not by sight. And Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice you made for us. It was enough. It was more than enough. We thank you that it's through faith in you that we have life. That you were risen from the dead on the third day. That you have victory over the grave. That you have conquered death. And because of that, we, as your word says, can be more than conquerors. We thank you that you love us. We thank you for everything you've given us. Continue to be with us, Lord. We ask for your glory. Amen. Amen.